Well, Oregon defensive backs coach Demetrius Martin is off to Michigan State, leaving Dan Lanning's staff. I don't think we need to worry one bit. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 115 bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So, Oregon does have a departure from the coaching staff once again. Demetrius Martin, who's been with the Ducks the last couple of years, his son Cole Martin went to Arizona State. He's now off to Michigan State, and I am just not worried about it whatsoever. Oregon's already announced what their moves are going to be. So according to Matt Zenitz, who uh, works for 24-7 Sports, he, he tweeted out yesterday, with Demetrius Martin accepting a job at Michigan State, Oregon is expected to promote co-DC Chris Hampton from safeties coach to defensive backs coach, sources tell 24-7 Sports. He's already turned down multiple Power 5 DC opportunities this offseason to remain at Oregon. He went on to say that Oregon is also expected to promote analyst Brian Michalowski and grad assistant Rashad Wadid, Wadud, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Per sources, uh, Michalowski is expected to play a bigger role with the Ducks linebacker group. Wadud is expected to play a more significant role with Oregon's cornerback unit. So the changes have already been made. And when you look at Dan Lanning's record of hiring coaches, promoting assistants, and everything, that's why I'm not worried here. When you look at Nick Saban at Alabama, and he has since retired, which is a weird thing to say, but that's the reality of the situation, Coaches come and go all the time, and you have to be able to find quality replacements. It's part of being a head coach. If you're only good when you had these two coordinators, think about Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles, for instance. If you're not any good when you lose your offensive and defensive coordinators, well, those guys might actually have been the coaches that were making this thing go. And if you can't make a good next tire, if you can't run the ship on your own, then you're not as good of a head coach as you would perhaps like to be or as your fans would like you to be. In this instance, Oregon's losing a position coach, which isn't always that impactful. I think losing certain position coaches could be more impactful than others. Carlos Lachlan, for instance, that's a guy who I would really like to keep around at Oregon because his track record is ridiculously good. Like That's just one name that comes to mind. But Oregon hasn't lost a coordinator this offseason. I was correct about that when I you know, came on yesterday's show and then the news kind of broke uh, as, as the show was debuting in the morning that uh, the, the San Jose State coach had been hired down to Arizona and that Will Stein was never really a serious target there. He'll be Oregon's OC in 2024. Tosh Lupoi and Chris Hampton will be on the defensive side. The last time Oregon hired a young coach or kind of you know did a promotion from within was Elite Terry. Did you watch Oregon's offensive line this year? Bo Nix wasn't sacked very much, and for the most part, they ran the football very well. And they continue to recruit guys at a solid level. So I feel confident in Dan Lanning here. I, I think that his track record with assistance, having guys come and go, has been excellent. And and the fact that he was able to retain Chris Hampton, when according again to Matt Zenitz 24-7, he has 
had multiple Power 5 DC offers, which isn't surprising, by the way. It was a little surprising he went from DC at Tulane to being a co-DC at Oregon. I think that's indicative of, of how big his role is on the defensive side of the football. That that hire appears to be very good, as anticipated, because the Ducks' defense and points per game, it went down a lot this year. So having him in there with Tosh Lupoy and Dan Lanning, of course, on that side of the ball, clearly was a great thing for the Ducks. And I think that Lanning has just made quality hire after quality hire. And, and he's just shown not just that he can recruit, not just that he knows how to have his team ready, motivate his players, win football games, but he understands how to do the stuff outside of on the field, which is important when running an entire program. And he's clearly doing that. I, I mean, you look at Kenny Dillingham. Well, that was a good hire. And then he departed, insert Will Stein, finalist for the Broyles Award. Adrian Clem was in a really good position. I loved Adrian Clem. He goes to the NFL, insert Elite Terry, who, who's getting quite a bit of buzz at just 27 years old for the offensive line that he just coached. Matt Pallage leaves. You bring in Chris Hampton. Oregon's defense gets better over the course of a season. So I think that all of those things should make us not worry about this. Uh, I'll get to going to Michigan State in just a moment, but staying on landing here. Dan Lanning is someone who has got a culture in Oregon that everyone clearly wants to be a part of. Hampton has had power five offers. He said, nope, I, I like Oregon. <laughs> I'm going to stay here. Jordan Birch could have gone to the NFL. Nope, he's going to stay. Jeffrey Boss, nope, he's going to stay. I, I mean, if Bo Nix had another year, I feel like he would have stayed. He didn't, of course, but just the guys that are, are deciding to return to Oregon, they are seeing what Dan Lanning is doing, and they're excited about the prospect of what he's building in Eugene. And that means as Oregon fans, we should be as well. And, and I think all around, Dan Lanning's ability to be Oregon's head coach is worth what he is being paid because he's a talent. He, he's great at talent acquisition. We know that. Back-to-back -to -back top 10 recruiting and transfer portal classes. That, that, that's, that's a rather impressive feat. He's won 22 games in five seasons. He just put together Oregon's sixth 12-win season ever. It's only the sixth time it's ever happened. They've all been since 2010. But I, I think he's been, done a fantastic job. I think he's built Oregon into a Big Ten contender. I, I'm going to come back to that later on the show. Because this Demetrius Martin move did surprise me a little. When Cole Martin announced his transfer, I was surprised. Because that's someone who I felt was going to play a bigger role in 2024. And he transferred to Arizona State. And then it kind of, you know, naturally resonated in our minds the idea of, well, maybe Demetrius Martin's going to go with him. But then nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, he's going to Michigan State. So this question came in from Rick via the mailbag, which is always open. YouTube, Twitter, if you want priority, go over to subtext and join the flock. Mailbag. I'd love to hear your thoughts and insight on Oregon's DB coach taking the same job at Michigan State at best a lateral move with really cold weather, as if it's warm in Oregon right now, but seems more of a backwards move in my eyes with the same bad weather. What say you? There are a lot of different reasons guys could decide to go to a different place. Jonathan Smith is building something entirely new. I think one thing Demetrius Martin could be looking at, this is speculative on my part, but I think reasonable, as I try to be on the show, he's looking at Michigan State and saying, okay, 
they did not bring Trent Bray, their defensive coordinator. So Jonathan Smith is going to hire a new defensive quarter, he may, coordinator. He may already have done so. But at the very least, that guy might be on thinner ice because he doesn't have the track record yet. And so if Demetrius Martin, for instance, wants to be a defensive coordinator, he could have a better path to doing that at Michigan State than he would at Oregon, where he's got Tosh Lupoy and Chris Hampton as obstacles there. Only way I think he'd be able to, you know, take that DC job at Oregon is if those guys left and Landing decided he was the best guy for the job. I think Martin's a good coach. He's been a really good recruiter. I mean, there are a lot of blue chip recruits over the last two cycles that Demetrius Martin deserves credit for. And that's, that's both in the transfer portal and from the high school ranks. I understand him making that move from that career aspect of it. And some guys just want something different. You know, Cole might've decided, I don't want to be at Oregon. That might've been what was keeping Demetrius there for the, or coach meet as they call him for the next couple of years. Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know all the factors that went into it, but that's kind of one angle that I could see as being, you know, what drove him to decide I'd rather be at Michigan State than Oregon. Because you're right, Oregon's got a bigger brand. Oregon is more ready to compete in the Big Ten in 2024. I think when the Spartans come to Autzen Stadium, it could be a lopsided game. Now, Jonathan Smith, as we know, very good football coach. Aiden Childs, they have a very good quarterback there, or a very talented one who's not super experienced just yet. But I, I think that that's the element that popped in my head of like, well, why would he take that move? Why would he go to Michigan State? Who, by the way, just for the record, that is not some slouch job. They have as many college football playoff appearances in the four-team era as Oregon. Now, Oregon's been to a national championship, and they did not, but statements dance. Michigan State, when they are right, they can be very, very good. Oregon in the Big Ten next year is going to be very, very good. What's not good, though, is what the FDA has said, which is that pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I know we all come to sports. You do it. I do it. Everybody does it to escape from the crazy realities of life. But we got to talk about preparing for real, real life because it doesn't just go away, even though we pretend it does whilst enjoying our sports. I can't imagine a worse feeling than needing a particular medication and not being able to get it, but Jace Medical is here to help. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. You want to be prepared. Visit jacemedical.com. Complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed or by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. jacemedical.com, offer code locked on, get $20 off your order today. The more I think about Dan Lanning, the staff continuity, the amount of player continuity they were able to retain, there are key departures off of the 2023 team, no doubt about it. Bo Nix, Jackson Powers Johnson, Troy Franklin, those are big-time players. Kyrie Jackson as well, Brandon Norless, tough guys to replace. But the more I think about what Oregon is doing, what they have done, and what they're capable of in 2024, the more I just look at them and say, that's a Big Ten contender. Full stop. Period. Right there. Doesn't mean they're going to win the Big Ten. Doesn't mean they'll be the favorite, but how do you look at what is going on elsewhere around the Big Ten and what Oregon's doing and not think, 
yeah, that team's going to be really good next year. There are a lot of other sites and opinion hosts and podcasters and everybody very high in Oregon. I'm becoming more and more one of those people by the day. I was high on the Ducks coming into this year. And I'm, I'm high on the Ducks going into next year as well. And I look around the Big Ten, which is going to be an 18-team conference. Gross, but that's the world we live in now, tragically. Washington is going to take a step back. Tetsuro McMillan and, and Noah Fafita, instrumental pieces down at Arizona for Jed Fish, they're not, according to Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, going to enter the transfer portal. So Washington is building a roster basically from scratch. They have some talented recruits up there, but they do not have a roster with the sort of high-level talent and experience that Oregon has going into next year. So I'd, I'd put Oregon above Washington there. Michigan could lose their head coach to the NFL. He's interviewed with multiple teams. I think it's the right time for Jim Harbaugh to leave. I hope he goes to the Chargers and helps out Justin Herbert. If he leaves, well, is it going to be the same? It could. It, it could be the same. Ryan Day took over at Ohio State. He's done very well. Barely missed a beat. But Ryan Day has also shown that he, he can be beaten. He's not as good as Urban Meyer was. He's still a very, very good coach. And Ohio State's a very good program, and they've made good moves this offseason. They, they've picked up some big-time players. But Oregon has also picked up big-time players. And, and Oregon has got a bunch coming back. And, and I just get the sense, not that the chips weren't all in the middle of the table with Bo Nix a year ago, but I think that same sort of feeling is manifesting itself again. Because all these guys came back. All these coaches are back. Chris Hampton turned down other Power 5 outright D.C. jobs to be the co-defense coordinator at Oregon. I think it's because all of these guys see what we are starting to sense from afar, and that's that Dan Lanning is only getting better as a head coach and that next year he is going to once again push for a college football playoff spot and build a team capable of winning a national championship. And I love where he's at in that process. Absolutely love it. It's the middle of January, and I'm stoked. Absolutely stoked about what he can do. Gabriel, the running backs, the O-line, the receivers are deep. The linebackers are back. The D-line is revamped. The secondary, I, I, I just, I like a lot of it. I like a lot of it, and I think Oregon is a contender in the Big Ten next year. I'm not the only one thinking about this, though. Some of you are as well. This from uh, Toye Simmons asks, since the Ducks are going into the Big Ten, talk about your thoughts of Michigan next year. We have to play them on November 2nd, so I'm curious your thoughts. Well, we have to play them in the big house, which is a tough place to play, unless you're Dennis Dixon. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have got several Michigan friends. In the lead-up to that game, I will be sending every, to anyone that will watch especially my Michigan friends, friends though, I will be sending the Statue of Liberty and the fake Statue of Liberty in the beatdown at the big house. What a day that was. Oh, man. So what do I think about Michigan? I think they're going to be good. There, there is a very high floor on the Michigan football program right now. My question going into next year is what is, what is their ceiling? Because they are not going to have the same quarterback. They're not going to have the same running back. They're not going to have the same receivers. They're going to lose several key offensive linemen. Oregon is losing notable players this year. There's no doubt about it. 
it is not comparable. It's comparable, but not as impactful, shall we say, as what Michigan is losing. That they've got a safety back who's good. They've got Donovan Edwards back at running back. He's good, but no JJ McCarthy, no Blake Corum, no Roman Wilson, no Cornelius Johnson. They lose three offensive linemen. It's going to be a different team next year, but their recruiting base has been solid. If Harbaugh remains, I think higher of them. If he leaves, I think a little bit less of them. Because historically, when Jim Harbaugh leaves college, the coordinator can take over. There's only been one example, of course. The coordinator can take over, but it doesn't last forever, and they're not quite as good, though still a very, very good team, at least with David Shaw. And Sharon Moore has shown an ability to coach. I mean, it was just pure mastery to run the ball 27 consecutive times against Penn State. That was sarcasm. I don't think I laid that on heavily enough. I think Sharon Moore is good. I think they're solid. But they're not going to be the same team. But they're they're not going to be a team that wins fewer than 10 games next year, no matter who their coach is. I, I don't see them regressing that hard. But I don't see them going undefeated, having to retool that many pieces, and, and having an uncertain quarterback situation. That's the great thing about Oregon is, you know, Dante Moore is the backup to Dylan Gabriel. I, I don't know that there's a better quarterback situation Oregon could have come up with this offseason. I was very high in Cam Ward. He's going down with Mario to Miami. Don't love that fit for him at all, but that's what he's decided to do. I think Gabriel is one of the best options that was available. He would have been my probably number two or three guy. I like Riley Leonard from Duke, but Gabriel's a guy that brings a ton of experience, brings a ton of production, there's there's a very, very high floor with him at quarterback, just like Michigan. So I think Michigan's a good team. I think going to the big house is really, really difficult. And you're going to get a great crowd. You're going to have a good football team. And you better bring your A game. But is that a matchup I look at the way I even looked at Ohio State in 2021, where I felt we were going to lose and the Ducks went in as a 14.5-point underdog and pulled the upset? No. I, I, I do not feel that lack of confidence. I also won't be shocked if Oregon's an underdog going into that game. But I, I think that for the Ducks, they, they have got all the tools, as I was talking about. As long as they find the right combination of guys in the secondary, just as a quick side note, I would love to get Jabbar Muhammad from Washington. That guy's really good. <laughs> that guy is a really, really good football player. And... The last football player that Oregon got from Washington via the portal, if memory serves, was Taki Taimani a couple of years ago. He's one of the first transfers I ever covered here on the show. He's a really solid, productive player. Muhammad's even better than him. And they play different positions, of course. But Jabbar Muhammad would be... I know Oregon's got a lot of bodies in the secondary. You've got some highly rated recruits like Dalen Austin and... Roderick Pleasant, who could be poised for, for a leap in year two. You've got Sione Lalea coming in from the JUCO ranks as the top JUCO corner, and, and Brian Smith is very high on him. You've got Jalil Florence back. You've got Dante Manning back as a veteran. I think Muhammad would come in and be Oregon's best corner right away. So I, I, I would be open to that. From what I have heard, he is down to Oregon and Texas. His cousin, I believe, plays at Texas. We'll, we'll we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see on that front. 
I would be super down. I'd be super, super down. But without him, I still feel really good about Oregon's team. I still still feel really good about Oregon's defense. And the continuity of the coaching staff is a big part of that. Oregon can beat anybody in the Big Ten next year. There's no one I feel is going to out-roster them, out-talent them, out-coach them in a, in, in a huge way or anything like that. Oregon can beat anybody in the Big Ten next year. Just a matter of showing up on game day and doing it. What will Bo Nix do when he shows up on Sundays? Well, I'm definitely talking about that. After we talk about FanDuel, of course, because the NFL regular season, that's all wrapped up. It's done, but the playoffs are here, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. How much better does it get, folks? The app is super easy to use. They have a bunch of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best place to find popular parlays. All that and so much more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel official partner of the NFL. Back into the mailbag we go. Once again, YouTube comments or X formerly known as Twitter at S McLaughlin CFB is the handle or at locked on ducks. DMs and mentions are wide open. If you want priority access, you want a chance to talk with me one-on-one, you want my breaking news reaction and everything like that, all sorts of perks over at Subtext, free 14-day trial, then it's just $5 a month, absolutely not a requirement. This show remains free and available wherever you listen to it regularly for all my everydayers out there. Thank you very much. This question from Tyler. Yo, Spence. Yo, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm the worst. I I laughed at my own joke, and then I, I kind of, I, I was playing basketball earlier, so my lungs are a little tired, and I felt that one. Oh, you guys put up with me. Thank you very much for doing that. All right, yo, Spence, why do you think most of the mock drafts I'm seeing put Penix above Bo Nix? Thank you, Skoducks. So this comes down to a couple of factors. I think the biggest one is that Penix throws the deep ball more consistently than Bo Nix. Not that Nix is not actually good down the field. He is. But I think that Penix's appeal is greater. I mean, he throws a beautiful football. I mean, it's just the most annoyingly accurate ball I have seen from an opposing team's quarterback. It's right on the guy's hands. He reminds me a bit of C.J. Stroud. He's not quite as mobile. I don't think he has quite as good of an arm, but his accuracy down the field was on display because they pushed the ball downfield a lot. Oregon, meanwhile, ran a lot of RPO. And so Bo Nix was throwing the ball underneath a lot. There were more defined reads and throws rather than taking 50-50 shots down the field. And it's something that Nix showed an ability to do it's not as if he can't do it. I mean, I can think of a bunch of throws just off the top of my head. Texas Tech or Tez Johnson against Wazoo, Franklin a couple times against Washington. Like, It's not as if Bo Nix doesn't have the arm or the talent to push it down the field. I think Penix has more appeal in the NFL draft community because he's someone who makes those sorts of throws all the time. And, and he, he showcases the NFL caliber throws more often than Bo Nix. 
That, that, that I think is part of what it comes down to. You know, Knicks doesn't have the injury history that Michael Penix has got, and Knicks has got better mobility. Knicks might even have a slightly stronger arm, but Penix, his accuracy is just off the charts. And so that stands out when you watch him on film. It's like, wow, he's not just throwing the ball right on his receiver's hands. He's doing it 25, 30, 25 again yards down the field. He pushes it deep. He throws back shoulder balls beautifully. And Knicks, again, is capable of doing that, but didn't do it as often in Oregon because he didn't always need to. And so I think that for for Bo Nix, he presents plenty of upside and should get a chance to be a starting quarterback. I tell you where I would love, I mean love, for Bo Nix to go, the Los Angeles Rams. I think that is a match made in heaven. I know he's an older quarterback. He started each of the last five years in college football, but so too is Penix. Bo Nix could go and and sit behind Matthew Stafford for a year or two, and guys don't always have to play right away. Look at Jordan Love with the Packers. That That's a guy who a lot of people were out on. I was kind of out on him because, well, he hadn't shown that much, and he wasn't starting, and they weren't asking him to do it much. Boy, that guy looks really good now. It can take some time, and he sat behind Rodgers for multiple years. And I think if Knicks went and did that and learned McVay's system, I think he could fit seamlessly. And, and the other comparison that I, I look at for Bo Nix is Brock Purdy. So when I think about Brock Purdy and the way that he throws a football, he'll push it down the field every now and then. But Shanahan schemes a lot of stuff between the numbers, doesn't go outside the hash marks a bunch. Like I don't think Penix is a great fit in in San Francisco, not that they're looking for a quarterback right now. But I think Bo Nix absolutely would be. So for both of these guys, I think their NFL upside can only be maximized if they go to the right spot. If Penix were to get taken, you know, eighth overall by the Bears or something, I don't know about that. I, I don't know. Both guys struggled at their previous spot compared to what they did in their new spots when they didn't have as good of offensive lines or when they didn't have as good of a support system around them. So I think they both need that. Everyone does at some level. I don't know how much Caleb Williams or Drake may do, but I think there were CJ Stroud, for instance. But I think that Bo Nix can have a good NFL career if he goes to the right spot. And I feel the same way about Penix, not just because I'm an Oregon fan. I've always thought that about those two. Because if Penix goes somewhere in which the offensive line isn't any good, he's going to struggle. He's he's absolutely going to struggle. But if you give him time, yeah, he can make some big time throws. He's got a quick release. He's got more zip on the ball than you think. There's this crazy video that went around of Penix in which they uh, like like flipped the the broadcast to see what it would look like if Penix were a righty and it looked like he was throwing the ball harder. So I think we have a natural bias towards right-handed quarterbacks. Penix has got a good arm. He can make some throws on the run, but it's not a huge strength of his. And that's another reason why I don't think, you know, an LA or San Francisco or a place that runs that sort of system works. They like to roll out the pocket. That's not what Penix does. He wants to slice and dice. You know, Penix going to Denver, for instance. I think either of these guys could work in Denver. I think Michael Penix in Denver, that's a good fit right there. I think with Sean Payton, I think that could be really, really good. For Bo Nix, there are a couple different spots. Denver is definitely one of them. I think that Peyton's a good offensive coach. They've got some weapons, and they'll give him a ground game. But the reason that 
you know, going back to the question here, Nix is behind Penix on draft boards is because Penix more routinely puts NFL throws on tape because of the offensive system that he was running and the way that he executed it. So that's the answer to your question. Final thing before I get out of here. As this show airs, it is Wednesday, the 17th of January, 2024. The Oregon men's basketball team is currently, according to Joe Lenardi's bracketology, projected as a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. They are going to get their biggest test of the year this week. They are on the road against the Mountain Schools. You just need one win. Utah is currently projected as a team inside the field of 64. Colorado is a first four out, according to Lenardi. The reason Oregon, I've gotten this from a couple of fans and seen people wondering about it online, Oregon isn't ranked because they don't have a bunch of high-quality wins yet. They don't have what you call a quad one win. They have some solid wins. The Georgia win continues to look better as they go through the SEC. They almost should have beaten number 5 Tennessee. That would have helped, but Arizona, or Arizona losing to Washington State in Pullman, that makes Oregon look a, a good deal better. You want the teams that Oregon's beaten to continue to win, to improve the strength of schedule. But mostly, like, Oregon is not a lock for the tournament by any means, you know, as long as they play, like, 500 ball the rest of the way. They need to stack up some quality wins. And winning either at Colorado or at Utah, that would be preferable. (laughs) That, That would be a preferable situation. And... Those are both good teams, and they are tough places to play, particularly Boulder. Oregon has always struggled in Boulder. That game is on Thursday. I'll be watching that intently, and I'm sure many of you will as well. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, go Ducks.